For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, is known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those who have spent time inside its gates, it's known as Bloody Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive, no hold barred podcast that takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die inside the wire. Get mentally prepared, sit back, and listen. As we cover these stories in detail, in ways that you've never heard before, from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it. Bloody Angola. Warning, Bloody Angola is a podcast covering actual events and is intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Hey everyone and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola. A podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. 
And today, y'all, we have a heck of an episode for you. Dr. Billy Cannon. That's right. Dr. Billy Cannon. I actually have his uh, helmet sign in yeah. uh, the 1959 Heisman Trophy winner for LSU. It's in my bar. He is, uh, for those of you that may may not be listening to us from Louisiana, if you don't know who Billy Cannon is, uh, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he is a hero here. Uh Deep, deep, deep into the folklore of South Louisiana, especially the Baton Rouge area, which we broadcast out of. And we were real excited to talk about him today because he has quite the history at Angola and quite the history before Angola. That's right. And like we told you, each episode would be different. And Jim worked his magic on the research stuff when blew my mind with a lot of stuff that you found that I didn't even know. And I thought I was a Billy Cannon aficionado, right? Uh, uh, but it ties back in to Bloody Angola and in the Louisiana history. It's, it's pure love. The Instrument High School was, was, was a big deal, especially in sports. A hundred percent. And, you know, when you meet old, what I would call back then old timers, right. when you would meet those folks and you say, where did you go to high school? They either went to Estrema or Baton Rouge High. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. The truth. Yeah. So um, Billy Cannon went to Estrema High School in Baton Rouge, and he got noticed really quickly, y'all, for his athletic ability, his size and his speed and strength. And he was a three-sport star, but he – excelling in football, basketball, and track. Now, back then, they really didn't have many more sports than those, right? Yeah, Maybe had right. baseball. Yeah, uh, so he basically was the cock of the walk. He excelled at everything that he did, and, of course, he lettered in all three sports. 100%. And the thing that made Billy Cannon so special, y'all, was his, his size and his speed were – in those days, almost unheard of. The guy ran a hundred and nine point four seconds, which is almost world class. That's like almost lightning. Olympic speed. Lightning and he, lightning, and he was six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. Right. Which back in those days, that, that was didn't happen. That was big. Yeah, I mean, and, and to you're eating that, your Wheaties. That's right. He, <laughs> he was a strong corn fed boy. You can believe that. And just quick as lightning. Uh, imagine if he had had the studies and uh, the the things that they do for these athletes now when they train them for the combine and stuff like that you know the, oh, yeah. the, the, the sprint stance and different things he would have he'd have smoked that record even more he would have killed it and look good looking guy had a flat top yeah. Yeah. he was the prototypical looking athlete just had a, a very structured jawline uh great hair flat top yeah. and just looked mean looked and, like and someone the flat you tops were the were the rage in the 50s, right? Yeah. My dad came up at the same time, and that's what, the, what they wore. But he had a smile and that size. It's just an all-American stud. He really was. And it's and you mentioned all-American, and he was one in high school. Eventually, he in his senior year in 1955, he was named not only to the All-State team, but the All-American football team. That's crazy. Crazy. Scored 39 touchdowns as a senior, and he led a stream to the Louisiana State Championship. And in track, he set the state record for the shot put at 56 feet, as well as a 100-yard dash at 9.6 seconds, which was also a state record. And like Jim said, he was six foot one, 210 pounds. Let me tell you something. I threw the shot put in high school. I ain't coming anywhere near that. <laughs> 56 feet, y'all. <laughs> That's a long ways, dude. That's a long way. What, what a stud, right? Yeah, and it was also at that time that he kind of got in his first legal trouble, and Billy uh, 
Billy, throughout his life and the journey we're going to take you through, it seemed like his upbringing, kind of a tough, you know, he grew up in kind of a tough neighborhood. He, he was poor, so he was forced to kind of maybe uh, walk walk a tight line with the law, let's just say. And so this was his first legal trouble. He got a 90-day suspended jail sentence while he was still in high school. And get this, y'all, him and some high school friends basically extorted grown men who they would catch with prostitutes. So these guys would walk out of maybe a cheap motel, and Billy Cannon would be standing out there with three of his buddies, and he'd say, give us 50 bucks, and we're telling your wife. Yeah, exactly right. And that, that, <laughs> I mean, you know, being an athlete like that and a young man is certainly being famous uh, amongst your peers and, and throughout the state is breaking all these records. You kind of get to thinking you're a little bit untouchable. Right? That's right. But still, he wasn't getting paid. And, and yeah. so what did they do? They pushed the limit. And, and they catch Johns where they're in, in the cars with the prostitutes or whatever. Then they hung out. And when they came out, they shook, shook them down. And what are these guys going to do? Yeah, I mean, you, you know. Uh, God knows how long they got away before they got arrested. <laughs> he moved on. He got a scholarship to LSU. Yep. And at LSU, he would win the Heisman Trophy in 1959 and led LSU to the national championship. His legendary punt return against Ole Miss on Halloween night is still played at every tailgate practically. And South Louisiana boys can almost recite it play by play and word for word. And let me tell you this. My mom and daddy were there that night. And you're damn right I can recite it. <laughs> the, the, uh, it gives me goosebumps to, to this day. Uh, the other day when, when Halloween came, it was, on, it was on a Monday. But that Saturday night, even though they played Ole Miss the week before, I thought about that play. One of the most historic runs ever in the history of college football. But you'll notice when we play this clip how loud the crowd gets. And it gives yeah. me goosebumps Definitely, because baby. the guy calling that play-by-play, there's a point you're going to hear where you can't even hear the guy. Yeah, yeah, the crowd like is so jet loud. Jet engines. Yeah. It's Death Valley, LSU Tiger Stadium. Uh, and Ole Miss uh, back then certainly was their biggest rivalry. Good yeah, old mess is what they used to say. Even yeah. when I was a kid, that's right, and was, still is to this day. And, and if you if you get the chance to see the video, it'll be in black and white. But, um, yeah. If you want to go look that up, but you got to hear this clip. Home is on twenty eight. He gets a pass from center. He boots it and gets another nice kick away, going way downfield. Billy Cannon watches it bounce. He takes it on his own eleven. He comes back upfield at the fifteen. Stumbles momentarily. He's at the twenty. Running hard at the twenty five. Gets away from man for thirty. So I hope y'all enjoyed that, and I hope y'all noticed uh, noticed how loud that crowd got, and we just love that here in South Louisiana. And, and y'all, those of you who don't know, when he won the Heisman Trophy in 1959, that was the first LSU player to ever win the Heisman Trophy, and the only one to win it since was Joe Burrow. You are the best player in the United States right. in college football. So Billy Cannon became an absolute Phenomenal. hero overnight. That Halloween run, that is, you know, in a lot of people's opinion, what won him the Heisman Trophy. So he was already a hero. Right. And then you tack the Heisman Trophy on top of it, and he was bigger than life. Yeah, just huge. Bigger than life. And I can tell you from someone that met him, I met him at a very uh, – 
old age in you know for Billy Cannon. I went to an autograph signing, got him to sign uh, a helmet actually, and uh, he was a lot older, but he had this aura about it that you you know it was just Billy Cannon. It was really that's, cool. That Billy Cannon swag. That Billy he, that's right. Swagger. Yeah, yeah. tons of swag. Uh, So Billy moved on. He went to the AFL and the NFL, and he played 11 seasons, retired with the Kansas City Chiefs in 1970. He'd use his all seasons um, to study dentistry, y'all, and he earned his DDS at the University of Tennessee. And later on, he got additional degrees in orthodontics, all while playing pro football. That's unheard of, right? Totally. Even though they weren't making as much money back then. First of all, playing 11 years in the NFL, when they, the helmets, and the, there were no concussion guidelines and stuff. <laughs> you try to knock the snot out of people, right? That's, <laughs> That's what right. our coaches used to teach us. And so, But he played 11 years and studied and became a dentist and got an additional degree in orthodontics, all while being a pro football player. But although Billy – Grew up kind of rough, and he skated, you know, skirted the law a little bit. Uh, he was smart. He was no very, dummy. Very, very smart. Uh, interesting little side note on that. He was married as a freshman in college to a, a beautiful lady named Dot. And they actually were married his entire life. Uh, so it was interesting to me that he got married at the age of 18. Stay, never got a divorce. Right. And this woman put up with some stuff now with oh, Billy I'm over sure, the years. Right. 11 and, years in the pros and uh, then everything else that came. But you know what? Love is love, right? That's but, right. I, yeah, I hardly ever hear people staying married that long anymore. That's exactly right. So he does. He leaves uh, pro football after 11 years, and he goes into dentistry full time. Yep, and his, his dentistry practice was booming. And um if I go on to the dentist, I'd love to go to Billy Cannon. Yeah. It'd be like having Joe Burrow be my dentist, right? That's Nowadays, exactly right. It'd be cool as shit. I'd be like, hey, he put his hands in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, hey, his practice was booming, man. And uh, everybody was, you know, he had a waiting list and uh, for, for Dr. Billy Cannon to work on, their teeth, on people's teeth. But he also started a successful real estate development firm at this time. Yeah, so his life was was going as great. You know, that's kind of how Billy's life was. It was it was almost a fairy tale. He was married to this beautiful woman. He had uh, money coming in from his real estate development firm, and he was a dentist who had to turn patients away well, and, and because he, he had famous. so many. Eleven years in the pros, and yeah. only Heisman Trophy. Trophy winner for LSU, and and he's still famous, probably the most famous player besides Burrow to this day LSU ever had. And but you know what? You, it goes back to that mindset. Uh, you know what? How many times cops might have stopped him for drinking and driving or speeding or whatever? Hey, fuck, that's Billy Cannon. I'm not doing anything to yeah. him, right? <laughs> you, and you get that mindset. Maybe, maybe like when they were, they were rolling Johns, uh, uh, trying to blackmail him back in the day. Maybe you push that gray area. A yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he did. Uh, and Billy had kids during this time. One of his kids was uh, aptly named after him, Billy Cannon Jr. And uh, I want to highlight him because he was very important in Billy Cannon Sr.'s life and uh, probably a better athlete than his dad. Billy Cannon Jr. actually played at Broadmoor High School in Baton Rouge and was six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pounds. And was almost as fast as his dad, if not as fast. That's crazy, yeah. And and I mean, he was a stud, total stud, play, right? And he, he would go on to play football at Texas A and M, 
uh, after being the prep star and all American from Broadmoor. That's right. And uh, interesting side note on that, my former high school football coach, Rusty Price at Broadmoor High School, also coached Billy Cannon Jr. And I have a clip that we're going to play for you right now where Rusty Price is actually talking about Billy Cannon Jr. and what it was like to uh, coach uh, not only an athlete in his own right, but the son of Billy Cannon. Talk about Billy Cannon Jr., your time there. I know the late Bob Carter was there with you. And- I was assistant coach under Bob, and Billy was there. This is in the late 70s. Uh, it was a unique opportunity to see somebody uh, that could do it all. I'll tell you, uh, if you go by athletic ability alone, you know, there's been a lot of great athletes that have gone through Baton Rouge and stuff, but I don't think there's been any that have had the impact that he could have had in any sport. You know, went to A&M and had a great career there, started off as a wide receiver, huh? I believe Billy played four different positions yes, there. Wide receiver, receiver defensive back, outside linebacker, then the inside linebacker. And uh, if it wouldn't be for the injury, there's no telling where it would have taken him. Yeah, the, the um, rookie season, first-round draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys, a 25th pick that year. And um, that, that rookie season, going midway almost the season, that was – that was that was that was the last of the uh, football career. So we wanted to paint kind of a picture for you of how good Billy Cannon's life was, how great it was going. It was just rocking. Everything was great. His son was at Texas A&M playing football, and then something happened well, to change everything. Yeah, and, and this crazy, crazy twist to the story, right? I'm going to read you an article from Sports Illustrated in 1983. It says, according to Assistant U.S. Attorney Rand Miller, Cannon met with a neighbor, John Stiglitz, and con- a convicted counterfeiter in January of 1980 to discuss a counterfeiting scheme. Six months later, Cannon gave Stiglitz $15,000 to buy a printing press to get started. The, the work on the bills, the plates were quite good, says Miller, but the quality of paper was poor. It was done in a warehouse in Cleburne, Texas, on April's Fool Day, 1981. Stiglitz delivered approximately $1 million in counterfeit $100 bills to Cannon, who had then shipped them to William Glasscock in Pensacola, Florida. Glasscock, who planned to put the bills into circulation by selling them for a fraction of their face value, is being held on counterfeiting charges in lieu of $2.5 million bond. By September 1981, Stiglitz has sent another $5 million in bills to Cannon. Authorities began to unravel the scheme last year when several of the bogus bills showed up at Baton Rouge Shopping Center. An investigation eventually led the feds to suspect Cannon and others. On July 7th, an informant told authorities a big sale was being arranged by two of Cannon's accomplices, Timothy Melanson, a, a general merchandise broker from Thibodeau, Louisiana, and Charles Whitfield, who says he has several businesses, including a hog farm in Florida and shrimp boats. Both men have been charged with conspiracy to possess and deal in phony money. Last Saturday, Melanson also was indicted for conspiring to import and distribute 340 pounds of marijuana. Further said, the informant Melanson has been in touch with Cannon, who had been under 24-hour surveillance for more than a month. 
At noon on July the 8th, Malasson picked up Cannon at Cannon's office and then drove in an erratic, evasive manner to a spot down an unmarked dead-end road. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash bloodyangola and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash bloodyangola. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Jones Creek Road on the outskirts of Baton Rouge. There, Cannon pointed out where he had buried some of the money. After returning Cannon to his office, Malonson picked up Whitfield, and the pair headed back to the Jones Creek Road light. Their speed ranged from 30 to 80 miles an hour. They stopped by the side of the road, made some U-turns, went up dead ends, stopped off at three convenience stores, drove through residential sections. Never did they notice the eight-car tail of law enforcement officers following them. If they saw it on James Bond, said Miller, they did it. Five times they drove past the road in the lot before taking a turn. After digging up approximately $2.2 million in counterfeit money, they drove to an office building parking lot. Malonson left and was soon arrested. Whitfield stayed, tossing the two plastic garbage bags with the loot into a dumpster. Whitfield waited for the purchaser, who was an undercover agent, to show up which he did about 9 p.m. Whitfield thought he could sell about $2 million, but the buyer said he only wanted $1.2 million at $0.20 cents on the dollar, which equates $240,000. The agent also said he didn't have the cash with him. Yeah. He, he departed and supposedly to get the money, and shortly after, Whitfield was taken into custody. So later that night, Approximately 10 Secret Service agents and others, including Miller, went to the snake-infested Jones Creek Road lot to dig for more money. They only had two shovels, and they dug for several hours. 
Finally, Secret Service agent Mike James called out, I think we got something here. He dug down a foot and found two large red igloo coolers, now empty, but believed to have contained money Melanson and Whitfield had picked up. So about 10.30 a.m. on the next day, Cannon stopped by the lot to show it to a business associate. Four of the lawmen had remained on the property through the night. Cannon asked him, what's going on? And they had a search warrant and left. Cannon, who owned several thoroughbreds, then drove to Jefferson Downs Racetrack near New Orleans. In mid-afternoon, the day one of Cannon's daughters knocked on Buck Klein Peter's door and said, some men from the Secret Service want to arrest my daddy, said <laughs> Klein Peter. I knew the Secret Service deals with two things, protection of the president and counterfeiting, and I knew Billy hadn't been with the president. <laughs> <laughs> When he returned home at 4 p.m., Cannon was arrested. He wanted to plead guilty right away, but Judge Frank Palazzola told him to think over the decision. Before I continue, that kind of tells you how popular Billy Cannon was. You got the judge basically saying, you sure you want to do that? They got streets named after Palazzola and Jefferson Parish, and he was the original hard-ass for him to say, think about it. Yeah. That shows you how much stroke. That's right. So Cannon immediately cooperated with the government, showing officials where an additional $2 million was buried in two large coolers in the ground next to his office. He drew a map of the area of the Jones Creek Road property where another 750000 or so in counterfeit money was buried. And later an agent returned and said, Billy, I'm a little embarrassed, but even with your map, we can't find the money. Cannon laughed and said, if you can't find the money on a map, maybe I should withdraw my plea. Uh-huh. <laughs> The money was quickly found. The trouble with the map having been that Cannon had emitted a crucial tree from the drawing. Miller said without Cannon's assistance, the only way the buried counterfeit money would have ever been found would have been to plow up the entire city of Baton Rouge. So the reason we read you that is we told you how good Billy Cannon's life was going. And in 1983, it all went to shit. Yeah, but, you know, that's. Again, that's really pushing the gray air because you don't just come up with millions and millions of dollars of printed stuff. Like you said in the article, they, you know, he had to seek out to buy the stuff. Then they got it printed. But look, shit, Jones Creek now is so populated that who knows where it was at. But the to bury stuff long enough where you can go out there as an officer and look and you can't tell the ground is disturbed, this has been going on for a minute. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, he didn't just start, and yeah. Lord knows how much they passed or or sold to people for twenty cents on the dollar. Hell, two hundred fifty thousand dollars back in nineteen eighty three was like two point three million now. No doubt about and, it. And I'm sure they got away to, with it for a while, and even had it buried outside his dentist's office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure did. And uh, so I, you know, he basically gets charged, he gets arrested, he goes to see to court, and uh, to Billy's credit, he never denied right. that he did, that yeah. he did it. He completely admitted to it, and he said he had some gambling debts and some bad investments that he had made uh, in the real estate world, and eventually got charged with his involvement in a six million dollar counterfeiting scheme. Interesting, y'all, that it's the seventh largest counterfeiting scheme in u.s history that's crazy and that's freaking billy cannon 30 what almost 40 years right that's that's right uh and as we told you they the way they found this money he was burying it in the ground in coolers and they actually found some of it in two closets at his dentist's office it was just packed in there so 
Uh, long story short, short, he got convicted and sentenced to five years in prison at Federal Correction Center in Texas and a $10,000 fine, which he pled to let lesser charges than what was originally charged and got released after two and a half years. So, which, y'all, that nowadays that doesn't happen. A couple things on the federal law. Counterfeiting naturally is federal. And like Jim said, the Secret Service protect diplomats and, and a presidential figures uh, or people that that are up for election. Uh, and the only other thing they do, counterfeit, right? But they don't play. And and so now when you get sentenced, you, you only get one day of good time for every year that you do. So back then, obviously, they've changed it some. But getting out in two and a half years is a pretty good deal for Billy Cannon. But Magic one pretty good deal, everything. and had to have something to do with him being yeah, Billy yeah, Cannon. Yeah, but you had oh, I'm sure it did. But, and but you go from having everything, yeah, and you're the most successful, uh, on, you know, gambling debts and shit. I mean, the and bad real estate, the bad real estate part is documented. We knew yeah. they got in some bad deals and and got strapped, and he did what he did. But he owned up to it, and he took his lick. So y'all. Billy does his time, right? Two and a half years. Now he gets released, okay? And he was able to get his, uh, his dentist license back, but his reputation had been tarnished so bad that he couldn't get any patients. That's kind of crazy, right? You, that is. My, you have a waiting list, and now nobody wants you to come in. But he, he was so poor, in fact, that T.J. Moran, who owned um, – Baton Rouge restaurant known as TJ Ribs. He cut a deal with Cannon where Cannon gave Moran his Heisman Trophy for display in the restaurant for free lunch for as long as the restaurant was in existence. Now, let me tell you this. I know this is true. And, uh, of course, I've seen the the trophy there. I've taken pictures with it. But my wife's stepdad was the tight end on that 1959 team that played with Billy Cannon. And every time they would go in to eat, Billy would come over when Billy was there. Billy would come over and say, hey, Charles Frank, the, uh, you know your meal's on me, and they'd sit down and have drinks. And So basically he got to eat there free for the rest of his life. But he get you know, the you trophy, had to give your Heisman right, trophy right, to do it. But, yeah, it was there. It was but, there. Mean, but he was poor. He was hungry. and, and But, you know, that would go on through, through his life. And uh, Side note to that, I actually proposed to my wife at TJ. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me and her mom and dad crazy. went there and ate and, and uh, the, right in like, front of that Heisman train. That's love. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Love my True mind. story. So TJ Moran's uh, daughter worked for my dad. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How back about in, that? Back in the early 90s. So uh, so I can see it in my mind's eye. Yep. Uh, he gave him that Heisman trophy because y'all, he, he, he didn't want to spend money. He didn't have enough money to eat every day. Literally, this is Billy Cannon, hero. Uh, but T.J. Moran really did it upright in T.J. Ribs. It was a glassed-in enclosure. Had glass on uh, all four sides. You couldn't break it. I want to say they had alarm on the glass oh, yeah. even. Yeah. Uh, because they were concerned about people breaking in and stealing the Heisman Trophy. Remember, y'all, it's the only one to come out of LSU. TJ Ribs is a really nice place. Yeah, it's not like you're going to some food truck on the side of the road and eating ribs, right? right. So the TJ Moran step up. Of course, he still was a fan of, of Billy's, so he took care of him. But y'all, how does Billy get connected to Angola? Well, thankfully, he didn't go as an inmate. That's right. Thank God. Right. So, Fortunately. In, in 1995, and y'all, this is after I'd done my time there, not not prison time, work there. And Burl, Warden Burl Kane was my first 
warden at DCI, and then he transferred to take over Angola. But Cannon was hired by Warden Burl Kane in 1995 to do contract work as a 1099 employee. Yeah. Right? They just uh, at Angola as a dentist. Yep. Now think about this: the you know how many people in fucking prison need dental work? <laughs> uh, everybody. <laughs> so but they didn't have one in the. I mean, all the meth heads and the meth cooks and the you know people that never take care of them. That's fine. So Cannon impressed. Earl Kane so much uh, that that Kane went on to hire him full time, but not only as a dentist, he hired him to be over the entire medical system. The entire medical the, system, uh, the, the, the the prison hospital, the hospice, everything. Uh, the you know shit, that's a lot. I mean, you got five thousand, six thousand people in daily, uh, a certain percentage of them are going to be on meds and have to have that evaluated every 90 days. Then you got your daily, everything from stabbings to rapes to whatever, and, and people just getting sick and old and dying right, in prison. And, and Billy, who was a DDS and a, an orthodontic specialist, and now look, I don't want to go on record, I'm pretty sure nobody in Angola ever got fucking braces. Right. <laughs> but, but Billy went on to run the whole thing and, and because – Burl was impressed, and, and Billy was still shining in his own way. Very impressed, and and Burl Kane has went on record more than once as saying that Billy Cannon basically took the bulls by the horn and completely changed the medical system in t- inside of Angola. Yes. He was a very organized right. person, which you may be surprised because his life seemed kind of disorganized but billy as a as an individual just absolutely fell in love and i don't know maybe in a way he felt like he could connect to some of those guys because he had you know he had his scrapes with the law right right? um and maybe he felt uh more of a connection with them because this is someone that was held to such a high standard his whole life he was a god a god in this area uh and so these guys Absolutely loved those prisoners. Loved Billy Cannon. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Billy was going to take his shit off of me that day, right? right? I, mean, I mean, they weren't going to get over on him anything else. But he really did come in at a time when when Angola was trying to get accredited by the national whatever it is because they had found everything was so shitty. And, yeah. and Billy Cannon under Burl Kane's tutelage was able to revamp the whole system. Yeah, and he also coached the prison football team at Angola. And uh, they even have a, a ring that Warden Burrow came wore at Billy Cannon's funeral that was from a uh, uh, victory, I guess, like the Super Bowl yeah. of prisons. Let me, let me talk about that real quick, okay? The sports in prison is huge. Now, y- y'all, the radio, we're going to talk about that in the future. The radio is a big deal every weekend in October and one weekend in April. But that's that doesn't mean dick when it comes to the inner. Inner prison boxing is huge. Actually, they have boxing teams in each prison, and they'll fight within the prison like sanctioned matches. But then they fight other prisons throughout the state of Louisiana. Yep. So boxing was huge. But you better believe the boxing and the football—that's a real deal. And those boys are trying to kill each other. And I'm talking about <laughs> it ain't no concussion protocol and then whatever. You better believe they were breaking legs knocking the snot out of people's heads and everything else. And Billy took over it, and I would, I would love, love, love to see uh, uh, the, those teams play. Yeah, it would have been something to see. And 
Uh, so he, he, you know, he took his time to coach and obviously Billy playing football his whole life, probably knew a, knew a whole lot yeah, of, he still about has, always what he, he got his doing. love for football. I mean, he got a start basically in football and it, it was a big deal. That's yeah. right. And in total, he worked 21 years there. He was a hospital director and a dentist and, uh, you know, Burl Kane also, said at one point that the best thing about Billy was he only received a couple of complaints over all of those years, yeah, 21 yeah. years as the head of your medical right. and the dentist. He only see, received a couple of complaints from uh, prisoners on anything. And and look, this is dental work. That, I wait, mean, wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you something. Fuck that. The prisoners are going to lie, period. <laughs> if, right. if he, if, uh, like Kearney Foster used to tell me, if you don't get a complaint, it means you're not doing anything. But they, he was so beloved to only get a couple complaints in all those years. That's, I mean, that's phenomenal. That, yeah, I have no words for that. All right? I mean, so, uh, and we'll tell you a couple of those. Uh, we'll tell you a couple of those because uh, they're kind of funny. But uh, these are official public records, and and they file those in the middle district of Louisiana when these when these uh, complaints and lawsuits and whatever civil suits in this case are passed down and one inmate and I'll just read you this real quickly the inmate previously confined at Louisiana State Penitentiary filed a proceeding uh basically against LSP uh dentist Billy Cannon and LSP warden Burl Kane complaining that the defendants violated his constitutional rights by failing to provide him with appropriate dental treatment in the instant Motion, the plaintiff complains that the defendants refused to allow him to retain the services of a private dentist to repair a broken dental crown. He prays for an order in joining the defendants from their actions. So essentially, this dude had a broken crown and wanted to hire his own dentist. And uh, it must be nice when you're in prison and you can hire him. Oh, well, you but fuck that ain't stick. the way that shit works. You fuck stick. You're in prison. You yeah, get your your Louisiana State issue crown fixed. No, <laughs> That's right. But, so but here, it this was is, burnt this out. This is proof. We, we told that. y'all they 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 got 24 hours a day to sit around and file bullshit. Right? I mean, you're gonna hire your own fucking dentist. Get out of here. And so it was totally thrown out. They had another case where a prisoner basically tried to say that dr cannon issued false disciplinary reports on this uh convict i'm sure they they, they all say that yeah yeah you got got, me bad sarge you got me bad (laughs) also got thrown out but look y'all in all these public records that was only two complaints i can find that's That's impressive over 21 years yeah i mean that's that's mad respect Uh, you know what say to to be to not get complaints on that, he had to give a, a Billy gave respect where respect was due, but he got his respect. And I think they respected him, Woody, somewhat because they felt like they could relate to yeah, him. Shit, he, he, he'd been down, right? He'd been so, down. He'd been uh, down. On making money. They making, probably love yeah, that. Right? Tell us how you made that money, he Billy. And money. look, hey. for anybody that, that is curious, um, actually, the, the, FBI had said the plates that they made that money with were actually really good. Um, They, the paper was not the best. That was the problem. That's how they got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably back then they didn't have all the, 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 
strips and you know the holograms and all the shit they have now and why do we have it now because of people like billy cannon and they were able to get away if they had good paper he might still be running he might st- but, uh, that's but, right i mean they got caught uh it happened he did his time he got out now so when he's head of the prison system y'all guess what he still got his free meals at tj riffs yeah, the yeah. and the prison if he wants yeah. them. Yeah. But unfortunately, y'all, at, I mean, none of us are getting out of this game alive, right? And the legend Billy Cannon didn't either. Jim and I are going to take turns reading you Dr. Billy Cannon's obituary, right? So Dr. Billy A. Cannon Sr. passed away at his farm in St. Francisville, Louisiana, Sunday morning, May the 20th, 2018, Cannon was born in Neshoba County, Mississippi, on August 2, 1937. His family moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the 1940s. He attended Estrema High School, where he excelled in sports and met his high school sweetheart, Dorothy Dot Dupuy. Cannon went on to LSU in the fall of 1956. He and Dot were married on November 23rd that year. Billy Cannon was an athletic phenom at the time, standing six foot one and weighing almost 200 pounds. What set him apart was not only his size, but his speed and agility. He and his teammates were some of the first to begin weight training, which added to his strength and made him unstoppable in the field. At LSU, he ran track and played football. He was also an outstanding student, maintaining a B-plus average the entire way through. He is known for wearing number 20 in the Halloween run, an 89-yard punt return against Ole Miss in Tiger Stadium in 1958. That year, he and his teammates, who who he adored, went undefeated and won LSU's first national championship. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1959 and went on to play professional football for the Houston Oilers, Oakland Raiders, and Kansas City Chiefs. He was the first player to garner all-pro when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply honors in two different positions. Each spring, he attended the dental school at Loyola of Chicago and the University of Tennessee, earning both DDS and MS degrees. While he garnered many accolades as an athlete, he was also a wonderful father. He and Dot had five children, and to his family, he was simply daddy. He was a brilliant historian. He had a mind like a steel trap and a wicked sense of humor. He knew how to have a good time and could be a rascal at times. But more importantly, he had many, many friends and was extremely loyal to them. He worked at Louisiana State Penitentiary as a dentist for 22 years, retiring in January of 2018. While at Angola, he wasn't blind to inmates' crimes, but he believed everyone had worth and deserved kindness. He helped reform a failing medical and dental program at the prison. He believed in humanity and lobbied to get the pharmacy back at the prison when it was decentralized and took weeks to get medications to the inmates needed. That's a big key, y'all. Cannon had loved the thoroughbred horses 
and purchased his first one in California in 1960s. He had so many over the years and enjoyed raising them on his farm in St. Francisville. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Get the right car at Riker. It's the Riker Black Friday Savings Event. Get a $500 gas card with the purchase of any new vehicle. Only at RikerKia.com. Get the right car at Riker. We're dealing. He would often sit in the lounge chair outside of the stall and help his mares have their foals. He was preceded in death by his parents, Harvey W. Cannon Sr. in Virgie Savelle Cannon, as well as his older brother, Harvey W. Cannon Jr. He is survived by his loving wife, Dorothy Dot Cannon, children, Terry Cannon Bird, and husband, Tim Bird of Baton Rouge, Gina Cannon McWilliams, and husband, Jay McWilliams of Big Spring, Texas, Derek Cannon Kelsey of Baton Rouge, Billy Cannon Jr., and wife, Rise Cannon of St. Francisville, and Bunny Cannon of Baton Rouge. He's also survived by eight grandchildren, Kimberly, Kelsey Becker, Cannon McWilliams, Lacey McWilliams Gentry, Cassie Cannon Graham, Jesse Cannon Black, Abby Cannon, Mandy Cannon, and Billy Cannon. They also have eight great-grandchildren. And, y'all, the funeral was held on Wednesday, May the 23rd, at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center at LSU at 2 p.m., a visitation was also held at the PMAC from 12 until the funeral service began at 2 o'clock. LSU meant more to him than anyone could ever know. It wasn't the awards or the acknowledgments on the football field. His life was intertwined with purple and gold, and it is fitting that the memorial service will be held at LSU. Paul Bears are Tim Bird, Robert Becker, Kenny McWilliams, Jay McWilliams, Chris Graham, and Brad Black, honorary Paul Bears, are his teammates from the 1958 National Championship team, John R. Termini, Jeff Termini, the dental staff at Louisiana State Penitentiary, and the Department of Corrections. Secretary of Correction James LeBlanc, Burke Moran, Thomas Greer, Thomas Hayes Greer, Dave Gallant, and Damon Casmore. The family would also like to acknowledge his teammates at LSU, the Termini family, who he and Dot shared over 60 years of friendship, and special friends Gail Anders, Eleanor Hall, Karen DeVille, and Charles DeGravels. In lieu of flowers, please send donation to Johnny Robertson's boy's home. You know, I've never heard of anybody's funeral being held in, in the Maravich Simba Center. The, uh, y'all, for you, those of you who don't know, that's where the Tigers play basketball. It's named after the great uh, Pete uh, Maravich. But God, that, that place great. is huge, right? And the, um, yeah. and it packed the, the whole uh, assembly center. And Jim, tell them about what it was buried in. As we told y'all, and one of the reasons that I enjoyed and Woody enjoyed doing this podcast for you is – not everybody in life is perfect. Nope. Um, everybody makes mistakes, but at the end of his life, Billy Cannon was as loved as he was when he was at LSU. He right. was, uh, you know, you 
you can make mistakes and you can come back from those things and you can learn from them and you can be better because of it. And those inmates, as we mentioned earlier, absolutely loved him so much so that he was buried in a casket made not only made by the Angola prisoners in the in the uh, funeral department in Angola, but also paid for by them. That's crazy. That I did not know till I researched it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a beautiful handmade. Uh, wooden casket and, and very, absolutely very, gorgeous, very intricate and stained and everything else. I'm gonna tell you, I don't know how much the inmates had to pay, and well, they're making like 25 cents an hour or something, but um, they paid for it themselves, themselves, and, and built inter- it. it probably took fucking 100 hours or more to build that thing. It was, it was incredible, it was incredible, and you can look it up online uh, and see that. Uh, as well, and for Chase Team members, I'm going to pull some of these pictures and put them in the files there in the, in the Chase Team section, so you can just go straight to that yeah, and look at go it. Go check but it out; it's, it's impressive, absolutely impressive, and interesting to know that that was the second funeral in two months that the prisoners in Angola had fashioned a casket. Two months prior to that, uh, Billy Graham, really, the, the Reverend that. Billy Graham, actually passed away, and his casket was made. By Angola prisoners. It's crazy. As much money as that man had, yeah. he was buried in a simple, right. uh, intricate, beautiful, but simple wooden, wooden casket, casket yeah. made by prisoners. Yeah. And you know, that goes to, like you said, people can change, et cetera. And, and a lot of times, these, like these craftsmen, you know, every, no, I can't say everybody that's in Angola had a job, but a lot of them, when they commit their murders or rapes or whatever, um, had trades or they learn these trades once they get to Angola. And that's, you know, they sell these, they make stuff all year long and they sell it at the rodeos and the arts and crafts and stuff like that. But for them, you know, of course people die in Angola every day. day. And most of them don't have family members come and claim them. So they get buried in in the um, prison cemetery with, with a cross with their prison number on it. But I think it's just super, super cool they did that it really is and you brought up a good point uh woody when you mentioned that him having his funeral uh viewing and all that was at the pmac uh pete maravich assembly center and it was y'all a star-studded affair as far as local louisiana politics and everything else they burl kane who is very well known in the state of louisiana uh spoke at that funeral and he actually even had some former inmates write letters that they read at the funeral. That's how much he meant to those guys, man. They loved him. But I'll tell you what else he had done, and and I'm just going to read this to everybody real quick, was in Congress, uh, the Honorable Cedric L. Richmond of Louisiana in the House of Representatives stood up and he said, I rise today to honor the life of a Louisiana legend, Dr. Billy Cannon. Billy Cannon is an icon. He led LSU to a national championship, won the Heisman Trophy, and became the first professional football player to earn $100,000. His career is summed up by his famous Halloween night punt returning against Ole Miss that has replayed countless times in the hearts and minds of LSU fans and every year on TV the week of the game. To me, however, his exploits on the football field as a young man, impressive as they are, are the least impressive parts of Dr. Cannon's life. Like many, 
His life after glory fades, and it was not easy for Dr. Cannon. He made major mistakes, wound up involved in the criminal justice system, and served his time. After paying his debt and returning to society, he still found it difficult to make a living, something that happens far too often across the country. Eventually, that he became a dentist at Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, where he turned the dental office around and truly cared for the needs of his prisoners. He remained as dentist in Angola for more than two decades, treating teeth with care and men with empathy. and appreciation for his service, the men in Angola hand-forged the casket where he now rests. He once said that the people of Louisiana are quick to love and quick to forgive. We should not be quick to forget the care and dedication he showed those in society and to society prefers to ignore. We should remember all his life as vividly as we remember the return. Mr. Speaker, I celebrate the whole life of Dr. Billy Cannon, a great All-American. And I'll tell you what, that's a feel-good episode. Oh, you gave me goosebumps. Love it. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it, the life and times of Dr. Billy Cannon um, in his association with Bloody Angola, which is more about how he turned things around and he was so beloved and uh, it just doesn't happen. Made a huge yeah. difference in, in difference in people's lives. Look, when it, when I met him, Woody, I was 33 years old, something like that. And I was like a 10 year old kid. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. It, you know, you never kind of lose that, that all for somebody that you grew up hearing about. This was one of those guys and think about it. Y'all 21 years he spent 22, uh, at Angola with convicts every day. And basically he was in charge of their care and he took that very seriously. Maybe that was his way of repaying that debt to society. But you know, for people that are down before who couldn't get their medicine and never could get the dental care and, uh, or even medical care, the medical attention they needed, he turned it all around. Yeah. I mean, he was like, Hey, this is, this is effed up. We got, you know, I wouldn't treat my dog like this. Yeah. And he did it. So the, the life and times of the great Billy Cannon. That's right. And, and look, y'all, uh, do want to mention, uh, real life, real crime, Woody Overton. Uh, obviously we got some justice for Courtney huh? and, uh, amazing. wow. After, after 18, 18 long years, years. one month and one day. Yeah. You know, Miss uh, Stephanie told me the next day she she went to Courtney's grave, and uh, so the conviction came back on Halloween night, October thirty one. It was um, November one in two thousand four when she knelt on on her grave and, and promised her she would get her justice, and it said that it was All Saints Day, and so on November one. The day after the conviction, 12 hours after the conviction, she went and brought pink roses, which were Courtney's favorites, put it on the grave, and, and she said, Baby, Mama promised you I'd get you justice. Eight, 18 years, one month, and one day uh, today. I mean, she got killed that first week in October, so, or murdered, not killed. But, yeah, that's just that's powerful. Yeah, it really is, and what a— uh what a journey that's been! Uh, thank uh, you know, thank God every day that her family finally. You never get, I guess, peace from that, no. but you, at never least you. Her back. Yeah. yeah, it never brings her back, but at least you you get a little bit of somebody's pain yeah. for it. Oh, this asshole! Uh, he walked free for over sixteen years, 
before I handed it over, and they finally made the rest close to 17 years. 17 years. And he was Courtney's sister fiance. And he was a pallbearer at her funeral. Wow. That is that takes a fucking hey, special hey, uh, kind of guess what? Guess moment. what? He got convicted of second degree murder. God. Guess where he's going? Bloody Angle. That's right. Y'all welcome him up there, boys. <laughs> he's a <laughs> yeah. she was a, she was nineteen years old, weighed hundred and five pounds. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, so check that out. Uh Woody uh if you you know, there might be someone out there that maybe is like, oh, Woody's got another podcast. Well, if, you, yeah, yeah. if you're curious, yes, he yeah. does. It's a very popular one called Real Life Real Crime. Yeah. And you can check that out. And he will be covering heavily everything involved uh, in his experience during that trial. Right. Uh, I know you just released an episode that is just yeah. absolute fire. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be great. But you, they... The investigative series was who murdered Courtney Coco, and yeah. in three weeks we took it from uh, listed as a cold case on their website to the number one work case. Six weeks had it solved. Eight weeks gave it back to them, and it took them another year mm. to make the arrest. But doesn't matter. He's you know, he's, he's going away forever. That's right. He always going to Bloody Angola, baby. That's right. And we should make an announcement that Bloody Angola is now partner with Workhouse. Connections. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and Mike Agravino, right? Yeah. And, and uh, y'all, we told you we had some big stuff coming down the pipe, and, and this is part of that big stuff. There's going to be bits and pieces of that we're going to release as we right. get more of a, our, our minds wrapped around it. But Mike Agravino is in the, in the media space as influential as you can probably get. Over 30 years. Graduate of Vanderbilt. Yeah, that um, means he's smart. Back in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the uh, the SEC Ivy League school, right? right. Vanderbilt uh, football always sucks, but they, uh, their brains are great. Their brains are great. <laughs> no, then thirty years in the business, and yeah. back in the in the nineties, before there were podcasts, he was president of Clear Channel Communications, um, sales, et cetera, and he's went on in the podcast to. Do, space to do one of the founders of to, Triton, it, Triton Media, Triton, which is a global. Media, yeah. Million, million, that's, hell, that's millions it. of dollars. Uh, Apple and all of them still use that company. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but he's a real innovator in the space. And thank God he partnered with us uh, because I, I just know what, you know, his knowledge. Yeah, we did this on our own. Yeah. We've done real life, real crime and, and local leaders and everything on our own. Bloody Angola. And Bloody Angola. And Mike knows what we don't know. That's right, and it, what he excels at, and and what he's going to bring to the table is he is an absolute analytics guy, and and uh, one of the things that Triton, which was one of the companies that he founded, was it was a company that basically figured out analytics for podcasting. So he has a mind, and trust me, he sends us spreadsheets that would blow your mind. Genius. <laughs> genius. Total genius it's on that. A great and and he's just going to help us grow y'all and get more right. of the message out of what we do, and we are super excited to partner with him and, on and a lot And to help of us improve in any way that we can. And, yes. Uh, little things that we didn't know. That's right. Uh, and he's doing the same thing for real life, real crime, and I'm yep. very, very happy to be partnered with him. Uh, he's a blessing to us, and Love you, Mike. One hundred percent. With Chase team members, yes, we love y'all. Thank you so so much uh, for supporting us. We appreciate you. Yeah, uh, you just got the your new episode. 
uh, where Jim, I was out of town at Courtney's trial, where Jim did the, the question and answer, fire, go listen to it. Man, that was fun. No, that's good. I, got, it, <laughs> I enjoyed he, it. He did a great job at it, brother. And uh, those those are questions that y'all submitted and wanted to hear. Jim knocked it out of the park. But uh, thank you for your financial support. We appreciate you, and you'll be getting more and more. We couldn't do it without them. Uh, absolutely uh, not. I mean, this is not free. People understand that podcast is business and and we have expenses and everything else and but y'all helped us or you help us every day we appreciate you and if you want to be a chase team member yeah all you got to do is uh you can go to bloody and go on facebook there's a link tree there you just click on it you'll see it on the front page and that'll bring you right to the patreon chase team page or you can message us, or you can just go to at Bloody Angola Podcast on Patreon. So www.patreon.com slash Bloody Angola Podcast. That'll bring you there. And we have numerous bonus episodes locked up in the vault only for Chase Team members. That's right. And we're going to be putting more. And when we're sick. And when we're sick. (laughs) Look, and I bring that up, y'all, because we released the two episodes of Gillis. Originally, we hadn't planned on doing that to the general public. But thank God, because Woody was obviously, you know, sometimes priorities take over in life. And that 11 days in in Alexandria, had we not had that unreleased episode, we would have had to probably miss a week. So we don't want to do that. um, So those, those are really good things to have those locked up. And in the event something happens to one of us, we get sick or something, we'll at least right. have something to give the general public. Yeah, so. and you like Bloody Angola, you have extra episodes, and they're, they're you know, pretty much That's right. It's probably some of the best episodes we've ever done. I'm telling you. <laughs> and uh, and really our, our sponsors, thank you so much for sponsoring us. We love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Yeah, y'all, hey, y'all If you go to, uh, to one of our sponsors, let them know Bloody Angola sent you. I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. Host of Bloody Angola, a prison podcast, 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.